Hi folks, this is Rick Doc Walker, the DOC. This is John Kime, and you're listening to The Mess Hall with Rally Captain and Tailgate Ted. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Mess Hall. It's your boy, Tailgate Ted. Joined as always by my man, Rally Captain. Ted, my man, I'm here to tell you, once again, I told you that intro, that left, right, left. Let me tell you something. The Burgundy and Gold fan base did our job. We marched into Ford Field. The team kind of let us down. Let's get it. Let down is a little bit of an understatement, man. I mean, it was definitely a tough one. But real quick, just reminder, please, wherever you're listening to this, click subscribe. Whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, if you're watching us on YouTube, click subscribe. Just helps our numbers out. We've got a sponsor for Wednesday's show. We're looking for one for Monday, our recap show. So all of that helps us. But the good news is, Riley, it only counts as one loss. Even though we got tore up and down that field in the first half, it was only one loss. But I actually want to hear about your trip to Detroit, man. I was watching on Twitter. You're putting a bunch of stuff on there and on Instagram. That rally you had on Saturday night looked like fire. Hey, man, like I said, the Burgundy and Gold fan base, we did our job, and I was – happy to see roughly i'd say 80 fans that came out to 80 fans that came out to uh yeah union assembly for the rally i mean the location was perfect it was primo bro um they had us uh like on a patio area overlooking comerica park the baseball field it was good man the drinks were flowing we had a, a a great um event as far as the, the jersey from Woodbridge Collectibles. And, I mean, people signed up for that. And uh, the Jamin Davis actual picture, autograph picture, that was awesome. So everyone was saying kudos, and they're looking forward to the next rally that we have planned in Dallas. But getting back to Detroit, Detroit's a good city, man. You know, if, if you stay downtown, everything's in walking distance. I mean, you can't go wrong. The fans were were, were really, they were good to us. I, I had no issues, man. I go back to Detroit in a heartbeat. That's awesome to hear, man. I, I saw you take a picture with some of my brothers and sisters in the PFUFA. I know they do a big thing out there. There's a group called the Tub Gators. They bring a hot tub to every game to tailgate in, whether it is in September or December. I mean, these people are crazy. I am never going to jump in that hot tub because I don't <laughs> think they ever get out. And I know they've been drinking. It's like I had some friends that went tubing this past weekend. And I'm sorry, it does not sound fun to me to tie my inner tube next to you when you've been drinking all afternoon. And I know that you're just, you know, you're urinating right beside me. And it's just, <laughs> it just, it's not appealing. But hey, you know, to each their own, you know, we don't do that at a hell barbecue tailgate. But Man, you had me jealous. I saw those pictures. It looked like a lot of fun. I'm sure you got a lot of good food. And, you know, I just booked my hotel for Chicago. And I know you still got a bunch of spots left for a couple of your road trips. So if anybody's looking, svevents.net, make sure to hit rally up for those road games. And he'll make sure you have a good time. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you. So everyone on this trip sat between row two and four. So that just goes to show you where we uh where we get our seats so uh it, it's good to go man and uh i i did something in detroit that i've never done before so uh, -oh. uh one of the guys named uh pilgrim he has this Mark. thing 
Mark, Mark Pilgrim, he yep. has this uh, ski that he has <laughs> shot holes on and he puts shot glasses in this ski and he turns the ski up and everyone drinks out of this, not one shot glass, it's, they're lined up on this particular ski. And so you bend down and everyone takes a shot on, on this called a shot ski. So, hey, I can add that one to my book, man. So, I, I you know, <laughs> I, I, I was happy to to be a part of that experience in Detroit. So shot, hats off to uh, Mr. Pilgrim, Mark Pilgrim. Oh, yeah. Mark's a good dude. I've known him for a long time. Yeah. And I'm sure those shots helped dull some of the initial pain from that first half. So I wanted to get your thoughts. And everyone's been talking about it. It's been all over social media. Yesterday was painful. And mm -hmm. on our recap shows, when we win, we definitely want to celebrate the win. We also want to talk about the loss, but I don't think we need to pile on and just tear them apart because it's nothing people haven't already heard from everybody else, whether it's their friends or other media members or just what it may be, different podcasts they listen to. But I wanted to get your initial thoughts on the defense. So we're going to start to do a thing here called the good, the bad, and the ugly when we've got a win or a loss. I'm curious, what were your initial good thoughts on the defense? Well, the good things is, or the, or, or the good things are, excuse me, is they are, we are, we are playing, I still feel individual ball. So that's not really a good thing, but individuals shined instead of the team shining. And I mean, we've heard Deron Payne you know, and, and, and truthfully, a lot of people are down on Davis's game. He, he wasn't as bad as he was the last game or in preseason. So I did see some things. However, you know, those are, those are like, if you want to say little, little steps, if you will. But, um, and that's realistically, man, the only good thing I can say is we, we had a couple players who, outshine themselves or did better this week than the week prior. Um, right, what, do, what do you say? You're, well, okay. So my good was really, like you mentioned, Deron Payne. Deron mm -hmm. had a good game. He had a sack. It's actually his first time since his rookie year, he's had back-to-back -back sacks. So okay. we all know it's a contract year for Deron. He's got a ball out to get that paycheck. And we'll see what happens at the end of the year. But Deron had a heck of a game, especially when you lost Daniel Watts and you lost, I can't remember where the other interior guys went down. And John Allen was on a pitch count because he's got that groin problem, knowing that Deron was out there for as long as he was and still did as well as he did. And it's tough to say as well as he did, considering we got gashed, but he mm -hmm. was out there for 87% of the plays. So he did have a good game and he was one of the bright points of that defense, but you're bad. And keep in mind, we still got an ugly, but what your what was your bad from the defense yesterday? Out of position. My bad was just, we were out of position and it turned into ugly, but that's the bad, the, just being out of position and getting gashed, man. I mean, I think they average seven yards a, a carry or some 7.5 yards of carry, something to that effect. And, and for everybody that knows me, I'm not a big stats guy. I'm more of a, I'm more of a guy, I, I see what I see and I can relate it to it that way. Ted, you're more of the statistician. I'm, I'm more of the guy that's like, you know what? 
what I saw. It didn't pass the eye test. How about that? That's how I am. And, and I'm going to give it to you rough and raw. So I may not spew out numbers, but we saw it. We got gashed. There's no reason for anyone to, to average 7.5 or 7 yards per carry. The, just no, no. And, and expect the win? No. We'll say no I'm right there with you. I mean, that was my bad was we're giving up 7.5 yards per carry. You know, we knew that Swift was coming into this game banged up. When we did our show on Wednesday, he wasn't doing too well, but he practiced on Friday and on Saturday. So we knew that he was the key for the Lions, and we didn't stop it. And the guys were out of position. And just like you said, there were a couple plays where guys weren't in their holes in their alignments. And we talk about pass rushing, four rushing is one. We played that clip of Ryan Kerrigan talking about that. It's the same thing on the run defense. You can't over-pursue and next thing you know, leave the man beside you out to dry. And unfortunately, we did that. We're giving up so far in two games, 314 yards on the ground in two games. And it scares the hell out of me because it doesn't get easier in our next couple of opponents. Mm -mm. But from an ugly perspective, what just had you cringing? Linebacker play. Yeah. Linebacker, linebacker play on a whole. Uh, I saw Mayo come in and just, just just like out of place, out of touch, out of mind. I mean, who hollow notes? You're out of touch. You're out of time. I mean, seriously, dude, I don't understand it. And for the life of me, I under, I hear that. Well, he knows the scheme, or he knows of this, or he knows of that. But when you look at it, and that's what, what we're basing this off of, when you look at it and somebody's not doing what they're supposed to do, then to me, as a fan, you got to take that guy out and put somebody else in. As a fan, that's how I feel. Now, what the team feels is something totally different. But if you aren't, in position and you aren't making plays it's time for you to go take a seat now you guys they know i mean i hear you yeah yeah they let him go on the initial 53 mm -hmm. and then they brought him back the problem is there's no one else that can come in and i completely agree with you david mayo to me is a liability he played 26 percent of the snaps we talked about last week that mayo and bostic didn't have a single down but Del Rio, and we'll get to his you know, clips in another segment here, Del Rio basically threw Jamin Davis under the bus and ran him over five times. So they had to play somebody else. So they let Mayo get in. And Bostic got in, and Bostic had, I don't even see his numbers, but Bostic was in there apparently. And the issue is there was one play in the fourth quarter, I'm sure you'll remember being there. It was third and four with just a couple of minutes left. They were in a run formation, golf checks and audibles out of that run formation into a pass because David Mayo was out there. Mayo was mainly out there on first downs and second downs because those are running downs traditionally. Mm -hmm. Golf audibled out into an empty set. So Mayo was one-on-one -on -one with a tight end and he just got torched. He is beyond slow. He's a liability. And this is a copycat league everybody's going to see that. And if they see that David Mayo was on the field, 
they'll have another play that they can check to and make sure that they take advantage of that mismatch. Because that's all the NFL is about is mismatches. I totally agree. Mismatches. And we had a lot of them. And and as you stated earlier, it's not going to get easier. And 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 I got to tell you, Ted, this is going to be kind of strange for me to say this. But initially, I had – initially, I said that we would – Beat. I said I, we would beat the Jaguars, but we would lose to Detroit. Well, you got me all hyped up on your speech last <laughs> week, and I changed my pick to say that we were going to beat Detroit. But I got to tell you, man, round of applause to the team. The round of team. applause. Yeah. Round, round, round. No, 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 no. Round of I know applause what you mean. To, to the commanders. Round of applause. Do you know why I'm, I'm applauding them, Ted? Because they got you to believe for a minute? No, sir. No, sir. I want I'm, I want them to feel what this feels like so that they can hopefully correct their mistakes. You see what it feels like. You're riding high. We as fans, we were we were we were reading our press clippings and saying, man, hey, hey, ho, ho, Washington's going to be two and oh, we were doing that. All right. Now specifically you, got, you with a rally. I saw the video, but yeah. You saw that. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, me along with 80 other people. All right. So uh, <laughs> so uh the fact now is we're brought back down to life, brother. That bubble has burst, and I'm happy that it did. I'm happy that it that it's happening now. Trust and believe because we've got 14 more games to go. Or 15 more games 15. to go. Yeah. Yeah. 15 more games to go. So if we can correct our situations now and the coordinators can say, hey, man, you messed up, you're out. You're out. We're going to put somebody else in. And don't tell me that we don't have anybody, because what I do know is this. We just had the USFL play, and I, and I, I will always go back to this. Now, the guys in the USFL may not be the studs that that you that maybe we we really need but there's somebody who's hungry like Detroit's Rodriguez Detroit's Rodriguez he's a dog he wanted to eat and he ate dog on the other guy uh Aid Hutchinson a dog i don't see us having that that dog that that true dog you can't With- compare Hutchinson the number 2 pick in the overall draft to a guy from the USFL I mean, let's be what I'm what, what I'm saying. What what I'm saying is is that there are guys who can play ball, but when you don't take a chance on one of those guys and, and you stick with what you have, now maybe they feel that's all they can get. I don't know. I don't know, man. But it seems to me as though there are other people out there who can play ball, but are you willing to take a chance on them? And that's any what anybody in life needs is that chance. Instead of you just saying, "Well, we're just going to stick to what we, what we got and 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 hope and hope that it it works." That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to compare them to that. And I, and I hope I didn't I didn't come off that way. I'm saying that there to me are there's a lot of people in the world that are football players who want to make a difference on someone's team. Whether we put I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of people out there that 
want to play this game. Unfortunately, they're not all equipped to play this game. I mean, there are scouts on every NFL team that have a basically in their office, a room of all the free agents at every position and all the people on the practice squads for every team at every position. The problem is now you're into week three of the NFL season. You have a major hole in your defense. Linebacker has been a problem for years. Mm-hmm. You did nothing to address it. We lost Landon Collins last year. We lost Tim Settle, Matt Imus. Okay. So you bring back 10 out of your 11 starters on defense, Landon Collins being the one that's not there. Now your linebacker core literally is the exact same core and you're expecting it to get better. We talked about it before, but hope is not a strategy. Mm-hmm. Now they're throwing Jamin Davis under the bus. You're bringing in John Bostic, who got cut from the Saints. You know, they could have brought someone else in other than John Bostic. The problem is it's teaching the system. So it's teaching these new guys what Del Rio likes to do, what the linebacker coaches like to do, and being able to put them in specific scenarios where they can succeed. And Rivera talked about why should we believe this defense is better? Because they've all been together and they're communicating. So better communication because they know each other. Well, we saw how that communication went this past weekend. We're, my ugly is we're giving up 29 points a game right now. And that was against the Jags and the Lions. We're not even talking about the rest of the teams coming down our schedule. Well, give and, me somebody I don't, give me somebody who I don't know then. Since since they talking and they know each other, give me somebody who I don't know. That's my whole point. Oh, I agree with you. The problem is, it's too late for that. No such. You thing. have to make do with what you've got. You've got to make do with the people that you put on your fifty three, because a lot of the guys that are out there, if they were good, they would be on a practice squad. If they were good, they would be in the league. That doesn't mean there isn't a diamond in the rough. But do you trust this coaching staff to find that diamond in the rough when they had the 19th overall pick in the NFL draft? You have a linebacker as your head coach for the 85 Bears. You have Jack Del Rio, also a linebacker, that took Jamin Davis. Bill Parcells said himself, if you want me to be in charge of the meal, I got to pick the groceries. These guys pick the damn groceries and the meal tastes like (laughs) And you are trusting them to find a diamond in the rough? I don't. And that, to me, is why Ron Rivera will ultimately fail here. Why this coaching staff and this regime will not work here? Because we don't have a true general manager that has the four- to five-year outlook for this franchise. You've got a head coach that has GMs reporting to him. And all Rivera cares about is the next week and the next game. And I'm trying not to get heated about it. But, man, I agree with you. I do. We all agree with you. Someone else needs to be in there than what we've got. But who? And I think, honestly, I think it's going to be Cam Curl and it's going to be Defoe when Defoe's back. Because Defoe was a playmaker. And Cam Curl, we all know, is a playmaker. And you've got to find a spot on the field for them. So until that happens, and that's why I was so upset when I saw Sunday morning that Curl was out and he was inactive because we needed Curl in that box and it would have helped stop DeAndre Swift. It would have helped stop that defense. 
But are we going to be able to get someone off the street coming in here in jeans and a T-shirt that can make that difference? I hate to say it, man, but I don't think it's going to happen. I'm not holding okay. my breath just because okay. I don't trust our talent evaluators to find that person to do it. Okay. Unless they're going to host tryouts like they did at Invincible, you know, for the Eagles back in the day. But, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Well, we hear that they bring guys into camp every day. Oh, they do. Yeah. I mean, they've got guys coming in. We, yeah. Chase Ruye is out right now. Yeah. So Ruye's done for the next couple of weeks. He's going on short-term IR. They're going to have to bring some guys in. Like I said, they've got that chalkboard with those magnets on there with all the different players' names and the free agents. So hopefully those guys coming in can step up. I mean. Okay. So do you, do you hear what you just said? Yep. And, and, and I'm not going against you. You just said that they've got that chalkboard with names that they can plug and fill. You mean to tell me that they can't say, you know what, this guy hypothetically was on the Bears uh, practice squad and he did really good. Let's bring him in and try him out. Let's bring this guy and try him out. Let's try. To me, you, you, the only time that you stop is when you stop trying, man. So real quick on that. Yeah. You cannot take somebody from someone else's practice squad without actually promoting them to your active roster. So okay. you can't just try out a guy from practice squad. So you've got to actually give them a spot on your 53. There's more moving parts behind the scenes. Okay. You've got to know that they're going to work because then if you cut one of your 53 or worse, put them on IR, then now you've got to wait weeks for them to get back or you risk losing them and not being able to put them on your practice squad. In other teams, I think it was last week, the Rams had a defensive tackle on their practice squad. And they saw a couple of DTs go down. They actually promoted one of the guys they stashed to their active roster, knowing that someone was going to try and grab him. So there's, yeah. there's different spots. You can't just say, oh, he's over there. Let me just grab him real quick. So there's the roster manipulation is also what it comes down to. I'm, I'm a firm believer. If somebody ain't cutting the mustard, then you got to try to bring somebody else in. That, that's just what I believe. Now, granted, I, I don't agree. know all that. I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but and, and like you said, you just schooled me and maybe other people because I thought that, well, I, I, I broke it down to as simplest terms. I mean, I know that there's things you got to do, but I just felt as though, hey, look, if this guy, just like on the injury report, so to speak, if a guy's injured, hey, we can call him up and they can come on over, that type of thing. So um, maybe I'm wrong on that aspect of thinking, but if somebody just, I'm, I'm going to continue to say it. If you're not getting the job done, then why do I have you here? Why do I have you here if you're not getting it done? The thing is, we didn't get the job done last year. We went into this offseason knowing we didn't get the job done last year. And now you're expecting us to believe that this same defense, minus Landon Collins, is going to get the job done when they didn't do it last year. That's the issue I've got. And I unfortunately think it is too late to get someone to come in unless – they decide to give Landon a call because he's sitting on his couch and offer no. him some cash. But Landon has made too much money to come yeah. here for peanuts. He's yeah. not going to do it. And what kind of shape is that man even in at this point? At, at this point, is he football ready? He, yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah, probably you not. Know, you hear RG3 on with the junkies laughing and joking that he wakes up every morning and still gets his workouts in and he hopes the Cowboys are going to call. Well, you know what? <laughs> he ain't got that phone call yet. And Dallas yeah. did okay with whoever the hell their quarterback is now, I care less what the hell the guy's name is. Yeah. But I think we've made our bed for this season. 
and we've got to sleep in it and we've got to make some adjustments. And I'm hoping that they do make some adjustments because our defense did get better in the second half of last year when they moved Landon down to that Buffalo nickel roll. And we didn't get gassed as much. It's only week three. So I'm hoping that they can make these adjustments. I'm just losing faith and I am concerned that the defense itself is also going to start losing faith because of how they're treating Jamin, one of their brothers, and how they're throwing him on the bus. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Enough on mm. the defense. What was your, your good on the offense? The good on the offense was the, the availability to move the ball the second half. I, I blame – I, I, I'm going to blame the uh, the first half on OC. Second second half, I'm going to say Carson Wentz was able to move the ball. And I had a lot of people who still are not high on Carson. I was hearing put Heineke in, and I looked back and said, oh, no, bro, no, bro. That's uh, you, 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 you'd be surprised. Oh, Heineke would have been able to, to run out the pocket. And, and I said, yeah, he may have been able to, but he's not, he, he couldn't make that throw that he just made here to Curtis Samuels for that touchdown. So let, let, let's stop that. And so they, they calmed themselves down. Was this but at the, the game or yeah, was this, this also? This, this was at the game. At I'm the sorry. Game. Those people are idiots. And I'll tell yeah. it to their face. Yeah. At, I mean, and the that game. is just all yeah. those people that are saying that have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to football. Wentz mm -hmm. is balling out right now. And if it, they don't it really see is. that, they're just yeah. haters, man. Yeah. And you can't fix haters. They're just – Carson Wentz is the first player since, let's see here, 1950. 50-something, 50 yeah. Yeah, first track in 1950 to have 300-plus passing yards and three passing touchdowns in each of his first two starts with a new team. Wentz mm – -hmm is doing everything he can. If you don't think so, watch him scramble for first downs in that fourth quarter, trying to will this team back. Mm -hmm. Get your head out your ass, not you, these people that are screaming that Heineke or Sam Mills is the answer. Because I tell you what, they ain't. And no. I'm right there with you on the OC. Scott Turner did no favors for this offense in the first half of that game. He was calling longer developing plays, and we mm -hmm. talked about it during our preview game. I was concerned about the fact that the Lions press and they blitz. They yeah. blitz the most out of any team in week one, and part of that was to shut Jalen Hurts down, and Hurts got away. Well, we all know that Wentz doesn't have the legs Hurts does, no. so they still brought that blitz. Yeah. And that safety, Wentz had less than two seconds to get rid of that ball because Leno got beat like a drum. Yeah. He Why did. are you calling that play, Scott Turner, when you know that your offensive line is getting manhandled? Yeah, they're, they're, just, they're, they're going right through you, yeah. What do you do against a blitz? Some quick screens, some misdirection. Didn't see any of that. You let those defensive tackles, those defensive ends win, and next thing you know, that running back is leaking out, and he's got blockers in front of him. None of that was happening. So <laughs> that, to me, is just the idiocy of Scott Turner – but my good is he learned his lesson to a degree. This offense, just trying to stay somewhat positive, this offense is great. The 27 points that we scored after halftime is the fourth highest total 
that we've had in 72 years. Say that again. The fourth highest total we have had in the second half in 72 years. We played 30 minutes of football. We have yet to put together a full game. A full 60 minutes. Agreed. We played the first quarter and the fourth quarter against the Jags, and we played the third and the fourth against the Lions. We beat the Jags with three turnovers. We almost came back against the Lions, spotting them 22 points. This offense can do it. We just got to make sure that this defense can stack up. And the whole reason why I chose us to not have a winning record this year is because of the defense, and I'm still sticking with it mm-hmm. because this defense is a liability. And we talked about it. Just rewind another 10 minutes. But this offense is going to keep us in games. You take the over every week because it's going to be a shootout. And I picked us on another podcast. You got to listen to these guys rep the district. They're amazing. And I picked the game 30 to 28 commanders. And I thought it was going to be that high scoring. And I was actually almost pretty damn close until we you know, choked towards the end yeah. of the game. But that's how it's going to be. And it's a Carson Wentz roller coaster. And we talked about it, man. I am all in because, yes, he makes mistakes. But you cannot put all the blame on him in that first half. He had no time to get rid of that ball. Yeah. Now, my bad is – we didn't get a first first our first first down until there was five minutes left in the second quarter. That's terrible. It's inexcusable. There, there's no way you can defend that. And yes, Rivera likes to say they're professionals on the other side of the line of scrimmage and they get paid too. But to me, that is on coaching. You mm-hmm. did not put your team in a position to win, whether it's Turner or whether it's Rivera. Your first 25 plays are usually scripted. You got to tell me that those are the scripted plays that you practiced all week, and that's the crap that came out of it? I mean, what was your bad from the offense? My bad from the offense was just guys whiffing on their blocks. Yeah. Just whiffing on their blocks. I mean, I, I got to tell you, so walking into the stadium, it was a different type of energy, man. And, and it's the type of energy that I haven't felt in a long time. And I was saying, oh, man, this is going to be a rough one. I just felt it. And, and I was trying to explain a couple of weeks back that, you know, this is a different Detroit. And they showed us why and who they are. Uh, as far as the bad, once again, the offensive line has got to come together. And I know now we've got another hole to, to, to plug. It's it's just going to be difficult, man. And and from here on up, the competition gets better for at least two games. So the line, offensive, offensive line's got to play better. That, that was my bad. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I mean, you called it. On the Lions. I haven't watched Hard Knocks. Like I said, I don't got HBO Max. Somebody wants, you know, send me their login. Hey, maybe I'll click on it and watch. But they are a good team. And we knew they were a good team. My fault was I thought the commanders were a good team. And I didn't read press clippings. I watched us last Mm -hmm. week against the Jags. And I watched the game plan that Scott Turner called. 
And I had faith that they would be able to execute. And they did in the second half, but they just got punched in the mouth. And there's just no if, ands, or buts about it. Hat on hat, they just got decked. And it reminded me of a scene from the movie The Replacements. I'm sure you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Where they're talking to uh, Keanu Reeves and the team in the locker room. Or maybe it's, you know, during practice. And the coach is talking about fear. And they're asking the players, what are they afraid of? And Keanu comes back and says, he's afraid of quicksand. Where you make one move and next thing you know, you're sinking further and further and further in the quicksand. And that's exactly what that first half felt like to me. Every single thing the offense did, we just cut ourselves deeper and deeper. And it wasn't just the offense. We lost every phase of that game, defense, special teams, and offense in that first half. Yeah. You know, Dax Milne fielding those kickoffs. And next thing you know, we can't get to the 20, let alone the 25. Fielding them in the end zone. But but, but let me say something about that, right? Most guys – on kickoff kickers that is they either got one or two type of balls that they kick they ever they, they either kick that line drive to where you know automatically you see the defensive the uh, receiver throw his hands up because he doesn't even want it the difference from what i saw with this detroit kicker and i thought it was very interesting he had height that's the difference between him and other kickers and because of the height of his kickoff, the, of this kickoff ball, it allowed his defenders to make up that time. And every time, most guys tout themselves of kicking the ball out of the end zone. Mm-mm, mm-mm. This guy kicks the ball high to where it would automatically go like to the, the two, maybe the one, and, and maybe a yard deep into the end zone. But as far, for the most part, he didn't kick it any really further than that. His height is what makes the difference for Detroit to allow those guys to get down there. I'm not sure if the TV really showed that, but in did, person. But I, I hate to say, I think that's on purpose. I think that other teams know that Dax Milne has never been a kickoff returner. They know for a fact that he is learning this position on the fly. That our kickoff returner, DeAndre Carter, is kicking ass on another team And it was supposed to be Antonio Gibson and Gibson is RB one because Brian Robinson is still coming back. So they know the inexperience we have at kickoff return. And what Brian Mitchell actually talked about in the postgame show, and I know you didn't get a chance to see it because you're traveling. He talked about, it's not even Milne to a degree, the blockers in front of him. When Mm -hmm. the blockers are engaging, they're engaging at the 10 yard line at the 15 yard line. Because the other team's kick coverage is getting there so much faster than ours. And Rivera talked about it. And for those that are listening now, it's Monday, September 19th at 2.30. Rivera's press conference he had today at 1.30. He talked about how the Lions promoted one of their kickoff coverage guys to a starter. Because they had a guy go down. So our kickoff coverage team didn't know who to block. So next thing you know... They were down there and they stopped us. They adjusted and figured out who to block on the next kickoff. But our average starting position was still back behind the 20. And we talked about earlier, it's a copycat league. Everybody is going to kick the ball short to us because they know that we can't either block or Milne can't run. He's not fast enough. He's not shifty enough 
to make those moves. And I am scared to say that looking at the game notes right now, okay, the first time we got the ball was on the 32. Then it was on the 16. Then it was on the three. Then it was on the 16 again. You know, it's just we're starting in a hole each time. And it's frustrating to see because we're putting our offense in a hole each time. And just special teams-wise, offense-wise, I mean, mildly, there's so many of them. But to me, it's got to be losing Chase Rouye. Okay. Rouye is now down for the count for a couple of weeks because he's going on short-term IR. He left the game on crutches when they were going back to the plane. And Wes Schweitzer, who is your backup center, was inactive this past week. So he's banged up. Wes Martin, who we just picked up again and added to the 53 at the last preseason game, is going to be competing for that. And then you've got, was it Sadiq Charles? I don't even know who the hell our emergency center is. I mean, it's we're looking very thin at offensive linemen. The good news is the line did step up in that second half because they, they continued did. to bring it. They did. We just lucked out that Hutchinson pulled a hamstring because he would have kept just crushing us. But luckily, the guys stepped up and shut him down to a degree. It was just frustrating. But also, Turner put the offense in better plays where they weren't just long bombs every time. Yeah. So and, and that's what I've said as well. If we can scheme it up better, and they're going to have to scheme things better, considering what we've got coming up next. But, you know, I want to play a couple clips from the post game. I know a lot of people, and I was actually, I was disappointed in some fans, man, on social media, just people that are going back and forth saying they turned the game off. And I get it. It was painful. It was tough to watch. We get 17 games and you turned it off. Yeah, I question you. I question your fanhood. I question your love for the team. I question if you're actually a fan, if you turn the game off. Because nah, yeah, that that's no go. Well, do you know what? No, you know what? Let me let me stop saying that. Let us stop doing that, Ted. You know, it's that's their idea of fandomship. So if that's what you want to do, then by all means you do it. I'm not going to tell you what you shouldn't do. My my catch saying is rep it hard or don't rep it at all. And then somebody said, well, what if I want to rep it soft? You know what I told them? Hey, no problem. As long as you rep. So if if that's what it meant to them, I'm not going to knock that, bro, because the performance is what it is. And if they wanted to go out and, and smoke a cigar or whatever they wanted to do and come back, I understand. So it's not for me to say, what you did makes you not a fan than the next person. So if that's what they choose to do, so be it. So be it. No, so I, I hear you. I just question you. I, I question you as a fan if you cannot commit, because I feel that a lot of those people are the old Redskins crowd, the old HTTR crowd that okay. are saying, you know what? I'm turning this off. And they're not there because we're the commanders. And did people turn off Redskins games back in the day when the Patriots kicked our ass, whatever, it was a 54 to nothing or whatever the hell that was? Yeah, I'm sure they did. There was a guy that I went to college with, and he would turn his jersey inside out. And I would see him at the fifth quarter party up on the club level, and I wanted to punch him in the face every time I saw his ass. Because to me, <laughs> insulting. You got – it's just – if that's the way people want to represent 
that's fine. But in my eyes, that's not representing. You're okay. not representing this team and this franchise. And I'm not someone to tell you you're being a bad fan. But to me, you are not a fan if you turn the game off and you only have 17 games to watch. Because, yes, it was painful. Yes, I wanted to take a nap because I went on the Potomac earlier that day and went paddleboarding for probably way too long and got tired. But I still watched it, not just because you and I are doing this, but because it's my team and because I love them regardless. So I got to tell you, all right, you mentioned something about taking a nap. I've got a picture of one of our fans in the stadium actually taking a nap <laughs> how was that possible carson was sitting there with his hands on his helmet because he couldn't hear hey I'm man they drank too much at the rally or they had at the tailgate i was gonna say it, it took his toll because <laughs> it was it was a little warm so you know it took its toll on him man <laughs> I, I, I guess I, man to me that's amateur move but hey you know it is what it is i, I gotta yeah. see who that fan is i am kind of curious for someone we both know yeah yeah but during the game, I don't know if you were shaking your head like I was, but we just scored a touchdown. If we kick the extra point, we're down by 14. But yet Rivera decides to go for two. And we would be down by 13 if we get a two-point conversion. Now, keep in mind, we had already scored a touchdown, and we already went for two, and we got that two-point conversion. So your odds mm-hmm. of converting a two-point conversion – they say it's 53%. So you already got that one, but now you wanted to go forward again. Take a look at this clip. Send the math. Send the math. You guys should appreciate the analytics of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not a math major, but yeah. if you miss that, in my eyes, you can't just talk about analytics. You can't just go based on some chart that some nerd that never played the game says this is what you should do. You've got to go by gut and feel of the game and the flow of what's happening. Knowing that you had a tough time to get down there, knowing that this puts you within two scores, within 14 points, Grant, two scores regardless, but within 14 points if you kick this, why would you go for two there? I don't get that. It just makes no sense to me. What was the feel in the stands when you were out there? Everyone was saying the same thing. What are we doing? What are we doing? And, and I said, I, I haven't a clue. And, and initially I said, well, gee, does he not have confidence in Sly? Does, does he not? I, who knows? And then when Sly did miss the field goal, I said, well, maybe that was it. He didn't have confidence in Sly and he wants to use it analytics. Um, and that's somebody else who's, possibly on the hot seat um we know he's got a leg but he's not accurate and extra points are like free throws i mean no one's guarding you basically all you got to do is just do it but it didn't happen so uh yeah no one no one understood at that point so i I still don't understand rivera's going to defend until the day he dies and you know a lot of analytic people are talking about it but to me in the field in the time in the moment of the game you know if you want to make it 14 points, and let's just say hypothetically we get that next touchdown and we're close, and let's just say we have a chance to either tie them with an extra point or go for two to win the game. To me, that's when you go for two. Yeah. When you want to win that game on the road and end it right there. 
You mm-hmm. don't do it before then to potentially just put more pressure on your team. And that to me was just, I have yelled and screamed about how Rivera is not a good personnel guy, but how he is a good coach. To me, that was the wrong thing to do as a coach in that moment. And you just put more pressure on your team. And now I'm going to kind of take back that he's a good coach part because here's a clip <laughs> of what Rivera said about the run defense. How concerned is it all of you about the rush defense? I'm not concerned. You know, we, we didn't, we weren't at full strength. Okay. But having said that, they still ran against us. You got to give them credit. That's a very gritty football team. They came out. They had a lot of energy early on. They, they fed off the energy around the crowd. And they made a couple things happen, and we didn't respond. Came out in the second half, we responded, we fought, we battled, we did some good things. I think you got to look at, you know, more than just what you see on the surface. There's a lot more to what happens. How can you not be concerned about the run defense when you're giving up seven and a half yards of carry? You better you got, be. You got Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders this week. You got Zeke. And Tony Pollard next week, and you got Derrick Henry the week after that. And you're not concerned about the run defense. And I get that was post game, and he didn't get a chance to watch the film, but he knew how many yards we gave up when the game was over. And he doubled down on it again today that he's not concerned about the run defense. And I am just, doesn't make any sense to me, man. How can a head coach of a team, a defensive stalwart, a defensive leader, not be concerned about the fact that we've given up 314 yards on the ground. I just, I don't get it, man. I, I just, can you help me make sense of this he's given us? Well, I think that realistically, Ted, the same way they called out Jamin, they need to call out the front four in a way that you're praising them, but letting them know they still let you down. And we all see it. So instead of just saying one player did bad, you need to, if you're going to call somebody out, say, hey, uh, you know, Two Hill, you didn't do this. Hey, Deron, you did this, but you didn't do that. Hey, Allen, technically, maybe you might not should have played because you were hurt. I don't know if he really was, if that was a factor or not. I'm just giving you an example of yeah. what where I'm going with that. You know, if, if you're going to talk, call everybody out, put everybody on the same page. Put everyone on the same page if you're going to do that. And that way, it doesn't look like you're just trying to pick on one person who realistically did not have as bad as a game as he normally would have. Uh, I do know that there was one play where uh, he got torched. And luckily, the ball was outside of the receiver's hands. You're talking so about the swift wheel route? He could, yep, he couldn't get up. Yep. On the TV, he wasn't torched. He was there maybe a step behind. That's torched it. A step behind a linebacker and a running back at that point, I'm not going to say what Etienne did to him the week before was torched. Okay. Etienne dropped that, that ball. He was within a step. So, I mean, definitions, ours are different. I get it. But to me, he was better this week than he was last week. And talking okay. about getting thrown under the bus and calling a player out, some of our listeners might not know what Jack Del Rio said about Jamin last week, I think it was Thursday. Curious your, your thoughts on Jamin Davis on, on the first game, uh, particularly in uh, pass coverage. Uh, Jamin was just okay in the game. I think he he, he, he practiced better throughout the offseason. Um, 
Uh, I mean, it's just a so-so performance. I think he'll do better as the year goes on. Um, we saw, obviously, at some point he's matched up against receivers, and probably for any linebacker, that's not always an easy challenge. But when you're when that happens, is that just the good scheming on their part? Just you, you, you do you're cool with a linebacker there, but he just maybe didn't make a play. How, how does that happen? Where where, where that kind of schemes yeah, kind up of, that way? Kind of a combination. I mean, you know, um, wouldn't want to live, you know, in that look. Um, and uh, they, they got they got to it on a time or two, and. Um, and when we do get to it, we expect him to hold up. He, he didn't hold up very well in, in that situation. Um, gave up some big completions. So, um, you know, we need him to be better, and we need to do a little bit better job making sure we keep him out of some of those situations. Jamin Davis, real quick, is, is there anything you'd like to, to see more of? No, nah, I don't. I, I, I said plenty. I gave you guys plenty there. I mean, he's got to play better. He didn't play very well last week. I know he expects to play better. So, um, yeah, I mean, he'll be challenged to play better. I saw a lot of good things this offseason and, and, and kind of surprised me that he didn't play better in the opener. Jack, respectfully, you, you don't really ever call out players with us in terms of this. Right. So why, I guess, with, did you feel like you reached a point where like, you kind of needed this public? No, no, no. You guys can make it, whatever you want to make it. I said what I had to say. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to be honest. Um, I'm not burying a guy. I'm, being fair, I think he's worked really hard. I think he prepared to play better than he did in the opener. We expect him to play better going forward. You're not burying the guy, but you're holding the shovel. Oh, most definitely. The ground has already been overturned. I mean, <laughs> the, the I, ground is broken up. Yeah. I didn't have a problem when the press conference happened because maybe they're tired of coddling Jamin. And then I heard other players talk about it. Santana Moss, Chris Cooley, you know, uh, London Fletcher, just other guys talk about it and how you lose the respect of your locker room when you publicly do that. But when it's your defensive coordinator saying it, okay, maybe it's not as bad. And I'm not saying this is horrible, but Rivera, the very next day, got asked the same question. Curious if you saw Jack Del Rio's comments about Jamin Davis yesterday and if you felt like those were maybe necessary to get some better play out of Jamin? Well, I, I think, you know, Jack, we know Jack's honest and it's an honest assessment. You know, the guy did have a really good training camp. He played very well and, and we would like to see him play better. You know, I, I don't disagree with it. You know, Jamin played hard. He gave a great effort, but let's play smarter. Let's understand, you know, we got to use our techniques. You know, I talked about it. We put him in a tough position, but we think he can do it. Now use the technique. Make that guy go up and around. Don't lose your leverage. You know, those are the things that I think Jack was a little frustrated with because he had a good camp and he did play well. And when a player has a camp like that and then it, it disappears for the opener, is that because it's just going up against another team and there's excitement about the game? How does that happen? I think a little bit of a combination of things, probably, you know. Um, going up against somebody a little bit different. Some some things that, um, you know, you, you, you anticipate certain things happening, but, but something else happened. Well, then you've got to react and fall back to your techniques. And he didn't, um, you know, but tells us that, you know, we've got to continue to work with him and continue to put him in, in, in positions where he can have success. What do you think prevented him from translating those techniques onto the field? The excitement of the game, you know, the, 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 the way things happen, you know, and it's, it's going to happen. And it's the thing where you just continue to rep it, continue to work it, and continue to develop your, your, your craft, your skill. Yeah, I think that was probably the biggest thing. 
You know, if you sit there and you watch and just say, you know, if you watch him, he backs up a little bit, opens up the underneath, and the guy takes it. Now, if he pops his feet, stays active, plants that inside leg, you know, as, as, and, and force him up around over the top, that's exactly what we're hoping to get out of that situation. You know, and it's just those are little detail things that you've got to continue to develop and grow as a player. And, and I had to stop it because it just it keeps going and going. And yeah, I just you're publicly criticizing your first round pick. You have this pressure on him because he is a first round pick. You have publicly said in the offseason that linebacker is a concern. During training camp, the beginning of it, you said how linebacker is a concern. Going into the actual season, you've mentioned it. Now they're specifically calling Jamin out. So when Del Rio did it, you know, okay, it's fine. I kind of let it slide. When Del Rio and now Rivera are both piling on this young man and both coming at him publicly through the media, I just mm. question that methodology of coaching. And I, I know it's a movie. I get it. But remember the Titans. It reminds me of that scene where PD fumbles the ball. Mm -hmm. And... Coach Boone goes up to him and just starts yelling and screaming at him and then bends his pee. And next, you know, Yost comes over and, you know, puts him in on defense and he actually shines because he just doesn't work well to that kind of coaching. Maybe this is just a mind game with these guys. And Jamin did play better on Sunday. He did have a better game yesterday. He had that sack, the first three and out that the Lions had. Mm -hmm. But this is what Rivera said when they asked him about Jamin post-game yesterday. Well, we had a little inconsistency. And, and again, as a young guy, he's going to learn and grow. But, you know, hey, we're running out of time as far as that's concerned. we got to go out and we got to be consistent. You know, and that's a big part of it. He's got he's to continue to work it and get better at it. He had some good things, did some good things in the run, and then there's some things that he was inconsistent at. We're running out of time. I don't get it, man. I don't, I can't make sense of what they're trying to do with this young man or how they're trying to coach him or how they're trying to motivate him. Publicly saying after a loss, we're running out of time. Man, see, do you know if we ran like a three linebacker set where like hypothetically Mayo, Holcomb, and Davis was on the field? For the and most part, that didn't happen. It did okay. on a couple of plays, but for the most part, no, we don't run a three linebacker set. Well, the reason why I bring that up is because, to me, I envision Jamin as Micah Parsons. Not saying that he's Micah Parsons, so don't don't give me – No, I, I get it. But I envision him as a, as a solid rusher. The guy's fast. Get him in on the action. You know, the Cowboys kind of did the exact same thing with Micah, and they were like, why are you putting him in coverage? Why are you making him do these things? That's not what he does. He eats the ball. I feel as though if we can put Jamin in a position where he just attacks the ball and gets all that other nonsense out of his mind, that he'll be a bona fide football player, man. But when you make him try to think about, oh, I got to try to drop back three steps and hook in the coverage. Oh, my God. Well, where's who? No, let the kid just attack the ball, man. I think so that we could go ahead. I hear you. They, they brought him in here because he can cover because of what he did. Who was the uh, tight end for the Falcons? That stud down there in Atlanta that came out. I'll look it up here in a split second. But they brought Jamin Davis in here. They took him that high a pick because he's rangy. 
he has speed and he they literally referenced a game that he had against Kyle Pitts. So see on see, rundowns, go ahead. See, the thing is, he ain't getting it done, bro. Oh, so for, we can so, all so, see it. So forget what he so forget what what you brought him in here for. That ain't happening. So to me, as a defensive-minded guy, you got to say, you know what? You're not cutting the mustard in this aspect of things. So because of that, we're going to try this. We're going to try something different. That's all I'm saying, man. And at, yeah. some point, at some point in time, try it sooner than week 15. To me, it's the scheme. The scheme, you, the one thing about Coach Gibbs, three quarterbacks, three Super Bowls. We all know the story. But – Coach tailored his scheme to his players. Mm -hmm. We are so stubborn as a coaching staff yeah. that we tailor our players to our scheme. William Jackson III, a man corner, playing zone. Playing zone. Kendall yeah. Fuller, a slot corner, playing outside. They mm -hmm. are not putting these players in positions to be successful. And that's what I got a problem with on top of the fact that they're throwing this young man under the bus, backing it up over top of him, and they've opened up Pandora's box. So now every game, they're going to get questions about Jamin Davis because they answered it the first time. And they're going to have to answer it again or they're going to get questioned it again. If and, they, now, yeah. and now you're making him second guess himself. And he had a better game than that yeah. first game. You yeah. know, granted, he was going against Christian Kirk who is a wide receiver. We, you know, we talked about it. We have clips on our YouTube show. You know, he got beat. He got beat this week. But the problem is Rivera used to go on with the sports junkies, 106.7 The Fan, a local sports show here in the DMV for 25 plus years. And he would not answer questions because he said, the other team is listening. Well, now you just went on your press conference last week and talked about all of Jamin's <laughs> faults. You talked about everything that he cannot do and does not do well. Yeah. So now that, that, uh, uh, the other coaches are hearing this. The other scouts scouts are hearing this, according to Rivera, saying, oh, well, Jamin does this. So when they're getting ready for us and they're in their groups, whether it's the wide receivers or the running backs or the tight end, they're saying, if Jamin's doing this, then do this. And you're just yeah. giving the other team ammo against mm -hmm. us. I just... I don't get it, man, and it just frustrates me because all I want is for us to be successful yeah. and stop getting in our own way. I know we all do, but there are some things that this staff does that I can't make heads or tails of. And that's why I said put him in a different position. Act like he's going to be the, 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 the will linebacker, but you have Bostic or Mayo or whoever it is, and you let him just rush, whether, whether, you, whether it's him and two hill on one side or, uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm just looking at, let's try something different. And now is the time to do it when teams aren't expecting it. We need to, because Jack Del Rio is trending on Twitter. Everybody oh, yeah. wants him fired. Now, yeah. Michael Phillips had a tweet earlier today that I thought was, you know, makes a ton of sense. And let me see if I can pull it up. You can change defensive coordinators, Michael Phillips of the Richmond Time Dispatch, but you can't change a scheme in a two-hour Wednesday practice. They declared their strategy when they opened training camp, got to make the best of it now. And for those that don't know the rules of the NFL, 
Wednesday is install day. If you've got a Sunday game, Wednesday is when you install your game plan. And they literally have two hours because of the NFLPA and the collective bargaining agreement. The years of being able to keep them out there until the lights turned on, those are gone. You only have so much time with these players mm -hmm. to actually install something and teach them something. And to fire Del Rio right now and then think that you're going to all of a sudden change the defense isn't going to happen. And do I think Del Rio makes it to the end of the season? No. Do I think he gets fired? Yes. But I think that's going to happen midway through the season. And the reason being, J.P. Finley mentioned it on his show, Del Rio gives Rivera cover. Because if Del Rio's there, Rivera's got someone to blame. If Del okay. Rio's gone, all fingers are pointed at Rivera. Back at Rivera. Gotcha. And that's why I don't think Del Rio's going anywhere. So fans can yell and scream and go on Twitter all they want. It's not happening, at least not right now. Well, Ted, it, it, you bring up an interesting point. You schooled me on you just can't bring somebody in. So realistically, who are they going to bring in? It's they're not. Rivera is just going to be the D.C. and the H.C. at that point. Or they'll promote a position coach and see what happens. Just like when they fired Sam Mills and Scanina went to defensive yeah. line coach. But realistically, the scheme is the scheme. And the scheme is what's at fault. Doc Walker did the postgame show on our local airwaves here yesterday. And Sean Springs called it, former defensive back. I think it was, I don't remember what pick Sean was, but Sean's great guy, still lives in the area, does mm -hmm. a ton of stuff. Sean called in, and this is from a former player that played at the highest level, saying that Jack Del Rio's scheme is what the problem is. And then you've got Defoe, uh, force talking about it yesterday post game, saying that the Lions knew what we were doing. You've got St. Brown, on their team. It's St. Brown. Yeah, Mon Ross St. Yeah, Brown, Brown on their team mm -hmm. saying that the commanders don't do well in bunch formation. And next thing you know, they get a 49-yard pass on a blown coverage. So okay. if other teams are seeing this, other players are seeing this in their film room sessions. Why can we not see it? And that's what I just I don't get. I feel like it's they're old dogs and they can't learn new tricks to a degree. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to get off the bad and I'm going to go back to a good that I saw. Please do. The good that I saw was I mentioned Matsko getting the offensive line ready for uh, snap counts with the loud silent counts. Yeah. Si silent counts. And I think we may have had only one false start if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Two penalties total, I think. Yeah, I'm so I'm my hat goes off to that because if you were there, that crowd was loud, and I don't know how they could have gotten that that snap count off. And as you saw, Wentz was holding his ear holes trying to get the play in. So I will say that was a good thing. So hats off to Matsko for getting those guys ready, even though they may not have blocked as good as they should have, but at least they didn't make any penalties. I think maybe two false starts, maybe one or two, possibly. So two total penalties my, for 17 yards, but I mean. It's not all bad. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I know we're piling on. We tried not to at the beginning. It's just some of these clips, some of these things the guys say frustrate me. You know, I'm looking here at the numbers. Cole Holcomb had three tackles, right? Defoe, your safety had eight. 
So that's that's a positive. William Jackson had eight tackles last week. He had two this week. That's a positive. No, hold on, hold on. Cole Holcomb only having three tackles. Oh, no, no, no. That's, yeah, my that's, bad. that's, that's negative. That's bad. Linebacker's supposed to be your leading tackler almost. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, wrong guy. I was thinking of. But, yeah, Defoe, eight tackles. That's great. William Jackson did better this week, but the secondary still got towards. There's The thing is, there's a lot of things we need to fix. But before we do that, I mean, you gave out a rally chain last week. Yep. Who do you think? gets to wear the rally chain this week. This week, rally chain goes out to Curtis Samuels for catching that ball in the end zone and getting pummeled and holding on to the ball. That's who the rally chain goes out to this week. I was worried that he was going to go into concussion protocol after that hit because it took him a little bit to get off the ground. And then they mm-hmm. showed on the replay, the defender's cleat actually got stuck in his face mask and he mm-hmm. kind of got kicked in the face on the tackle. So yeah. I was a little worried about what was going to happen. But, no, I'm right there with you. And he was actually your Woodbridge Collectibles player of the game, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, was Curtis mm-hmm. Samuel. And Curtis had a heck of a game. I mean, he had one carry for 21 yards. And it looked like he was going to get stopped in the backfield on that run. For those of you that are watching this on YouTube, I'll put the clip up. And he had nine targets, seven catches, 78 yards, and that touchdown. And his catches last week, we're right around the two-yard kind of depth mark. He actually had a nice long bomb on that touchdown, and he held on to that ball, and that was a hit. He definitely took right there, and he has impressed me. He has definitely yep. impressed me a lot, yep. and I can see why he's getting your rally chain. And we talked about it earlier. It's hard for me to give a rally chain when we played the half that we did and we lost, but I'm going to have to go with Carson. For all okay. those people out there that stands talking about putting Heineke, Carson was 30 of 46 for 337 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. But more importantly, in my eyes, two carries for 23 yards, averaging 11 and a half on the ground. He had an 18-yard run. Carson running and scrambling for a first down. Yeah. It shows you the man's heart. So through two games, he's got 650 yards through two games, seven touchdowns and three interceptions, 65 and a half completion percentage. And for all of you guys that are that, those are basically our former hero, Kirk Cousins type of numbers. He's on, he's, he's on pace. He's on par. Carson is balling and I can't put that first half on him. Now, the all 22 is not out yet. Haven't had a chance to look at it totally. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there were some throws that he definitely shouldn't have thrown. That flea flicker to Cam Sims where Cam Sims just gave up on the route and <laughs> Carson just threw it up there and we're lucky he didn't get picked. Granted, it would have been better than a punt because we would have been all the way back there. But yes, he had some bad throws. The throw to Logan Thomas was high. And to overthrow Logan, you know, the problem is Carson misses high. We talked about it during preseason and training camp. Yeah, we saw that. But he is balling out, and we're seeing it. The media is seeing it, and more importantly, his teammates are seeing it. Yeah. He is taking some hits. He's getting knocked around. I am concerned about him making it through 17, but his teammates are seeing his dedication, Mm -hmm. and he definitely gets my rally chain for this past week because of what he did in that game. It wasn't enough to get us that w 
but he didn't no one can accuse him of not trying i can yeah. accuse other players on the team of not trying i can accuse cam sims of not trying when you look at that flea flicker carson tried and he gave his heart out there and you know you, you know you know what bothers me about that flea flicker they brought you in personally to run that flea flicker and for you to not really even like kind of I that was on my side of the field yeah. and I saw him just kind of he, he's looking around like okay did they really throw the ball to me I don't know did it you would have thought that he would have looked harder it just seemed kind of nonchalant that that's what it looked like to me like at first I said oh he lost I said oh man he lost that ball in the lights that, that's that's what I said but then when I looked at it more it was kind of like well did they even throw the ball to me I mean I I don't know it it just looked like you you you're brought in for that play. I would have thought that you would have been really trying to, you know, you know what I mean, just pay yeah. more better attention versus, eh, and that's what it felt like. And those that don't know specifically what Rowers talk about is gadget plays like that. The team practices specifically for those situations during practice because we, like we said earlier, they got two hours a day to install these plays on the mm -hmm. field, but they practice specifically with Cam Sims, knowing that they're going to call his number for that play, knowing that two people go out on that route and Cam is the first option and the only option for the most part. And he didn't even try. He gave up on the route. Yeah. yeah. And you just leave him out to dry. And Cam played 11% of the snaps. And I'm sorry, but I think there's a reason why he only got 11% of the snaps based on his efforts he gave. And yes, they had a fade to Cam in the end zone and it was thrown out of bounds. But to me, it's just people yelling and screaming about why isn't Cam getting some love and why isn't he out there? Well, maybe because of the effort he gave on that flea flicker as to why he's not getting his number called to go on the field. Yeah, they specifically called your number for that. It's coming to you. No matter what, it's coming to you. You, you were brought in for that play. And to just kind of be, be mystified on, gee, hey, you know, I, no. I was kind of ticked off about that. And for those that turn the game off, that I haven't offended and you haven't turned us off yet, watch our YouTube channel because I'll put it up there. Cam literally is just looking around like he's just, oh, there's a balloon. You know, I mean, he just, I don't know what the hell he's doing <laughs> at all, man. It just, it, it felt like that. Hi, mom. Yeah. I mean, he just, <laughs> he's just yeah. waving to some hottie he saw in the stands or something. I just, I don't, I don't get it, man. But you know what? They still made it a game. And okay, maybe the Lions played prevent in the second half. But the fact of the matter is we got close. So well, if the Lions may have hypothetically played prevent, but their crowd didn't. And to be able to do what we did with that crowd, you guys don't understand how, if you weren't there, how loud that crowd was and how into it they were. So to be able to do what we did with the crowd noise as loud as it was, man, my hat goes off to them, man. It, it gives me hope for the rest of the season. If mm -hmm. we can replicate offensively and if we can somewhat stay healthy because, you know, it's it's a long season. It's a battle of attrition. You've got to plug and play other guys in there. And now Rudy is down. So, we you know, we got to see what's going to happen there. But it gives me hope that we're going to be in games. Mm -hmm. It doesn't give me hope that we're going to win all of them. And, you know, spoiler alert, I don't got us win against the Eagles this week. But it gives me hope that it's still going to be exciting and I'm still good for this roller coaster. But in regards to extra sprints at practice, for me, the entire team and the coaches are running sprints. Oh, yeah. Because 
You lost on every phase of that game. Joey Sly missed a field goal or missed an extra point. You know, your kick coverage team was bad. Everybody is running sprints. Your offensive line was not prepared in the yeah. first half. Everybody's running sprints for me this week. But for you, who's running sprints? No, agreed. You took you took it out of my mouth. Agreed. Every Everyone is. No, no one h- h- can go without. So, and the coaches definitely need to be leading the way. Because even though the players have to make the plays, you call the plays to put them in position. And if you're not doing it right, It'll come back to bite you, and we saw that that's what happened. I'm just hoping that, you know, it's it's now Monday. The guys get the day off tomorrow. So today, for those that don't know, they come in for treatment. I used to film my TV shows on Mondays at the park. Monday's mm-hmm. a treatment day. They watch film. Then they go home. Tuesday is an off day. Everybody's got the day off. They don't actually really do anything. It's because the coaches are getting the game plan ready. They're getting the film ready to show the guys. Wednesday is install day. I'm hoping come Wednesday, these guys come back to Commanders Central or whatever they're calling it now, Commanders Park, and they're ready to go and focus on the Eagles because that's who's up next. And yep. the Eagles are playing the Vikings tonight. What do you think we need to work on to get that W next week? Or this pass week, pr- actually. Pass protection. Pa- yeah. pass, pr- pass protection one, defensive scheme two. That's what we got to do, man, because those guys are coming to eat. They're coming to feast, bro. They are. And I'm worried their fans are coming down, too, when I think the game is nearly sold out. I honestly think it's going to be a sea of green there. So I'm hoping that the Burgundy goal represents and that we're loud and that people actually show because it's supposed to be 82 and sunny this weekend. But Ooh. for me, we have got to work on our run defense. This week, I need them to focus on that because Hertz got 90 yards against the Lions last week on the ground. We know he can run. We need to put a spy on him. Maybe they put Jamin on Hertz to spy, knowing that that's all he has to focus on. You look at Jalen Hertz, you spy Hertz, and you see where he goes, and you shadow him because Jamin can move side to side on that field. Make that game plan easy for him. And then if they can do that, then we got a chance to stay competitive. But here we go again, man. It's going to be a long one. It's going to be an interesting one. I'm down for it, man. We I'm all down are. for it. We signed up for it. But That's right. This was episode 18 of the Mess Hall. Thank you all for jumping on board with us. Looking forward to catching up with you guys later on this week on Wednesday. But I appreciate you jumping on. And always, guys. I've got a couple of spots for this bus trip going up to Philly. So if we get a sea of green, help me have a help of burgundy and gold going up there. All right. And, and as always, thank you guys for listening. You could have been anyplace else, but you decided to be with us. Rep it hard, but don't rep it at all. Rally captain, tailgate Ted for another episode of the mess hall. And we're out.